This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have with us Eric Weinmayer in the uh, in the studio. How you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, thanks. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you, man, and I am fired up for people to hear your story because it is a story of uh, obviously the physical side, but also the mental mind, and uh, I think everybody that listens to this show know how much I love talking about the mental mindset, and uh, you are a definition of the mental mindset, so I'm excited for our guest um, to hear your story, but why don't you uh, give us a little background if you can, and uh, you know, go as far back as you want and kind of let us know what's made Eric the man he is today, and uh, let's go from there. <laughs> All right, this is going to take me a couple hours. <laughs> no, I'm so I. Uh, my name's Eric Weinmayer, and I live in Golden, Colorado, in the foothills of the Rockies. Uh, I am uh, a climber, an adventurer, um, an, an author, a speaker. Made some films, uh, and I have been blind since I was a teenager. Uh, I've been blind for 30 years now. And uh, so blind climbers are sort of like Jamaican bobsledders, you know, where there's there's not too many of us in the world. Uh, but I've been making a life as a climber and adventure. It's been really fun. Uh, maybe not something uh, many venture capitalists would have invested in, but uh, I was a teacher for six years. I love that. I could have done that forever. But uh, I got this opportunity to, well, not even I got an opportunity. I just sort of made the opportunity to, um, to, to see if I could make a life in the mountains. And I've been doing that ever since. That was 1997. Yeah, I mean, I'm just fascinated this, by your story. And, and so walk us through. I mean, you're the first person and the only, you're the first and only blind person to summit Mount Everest, which is obviously the highest point on earth. And so walk me through how that even becomes a thought for you that you say, you know what? Here I am. I'm going to climb Mount Everest. Walk us through that. Well, actually, before that, let me uh, just correct one quick thing that most people don't know, really. And that is that there's actually another blind climber who just climbed Mount Everest this spring. He's a friend of mine named Andy Holzer. The way I met him was the most improbable story that you could imagine. I mean, it should be in Ripley's Believe It or Not. I was climbing a big, huge 2,000-foot rock face in the Dolomites in Italy. And um, my friend says, Eric, you're not going to believe this. I go, what? He goes, there's another blind guy on this ledge. And so somehow, like, you know, how crazy is this? Yeah. There's there's like, literally, I mean, I would know the, the high-level blind climbers out there. There's three of us. And, um, uh, and, and Andy is one of them. And we met randomly on a rock face, 1,000 feet in the air. And we climbed side by side. We became really good friends. He was a massage therapist uh, in uh, in Austria, uh, and uh, and then I told him about my story, and we talked, and and he said, you know, I want to do what you're doing, <laughs> and so uh, he loved his job, but he he quit uh, and started uh, full time climbing, and uh, actually 
uh, on his third try summited Mount Everest uh, last spring. So really, really cool story. He's actually summited from the north side. Okay. Uh, I summited from the south side, which I always tell him the south side's way harder, and he tells me <laughs> the north side's way harder. Well, maybe you guys so, have to switch it up, right, and go find out who's telling the truth. I don't know, yeah. So it's pretty pretty cool that there are, there are a couple of us now. Yeah, in the world. But what, now I forgot your question because I differ. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. No, so but much. just I mean, I think the you know I don't I sit here and I'm I'm I don't I didn't lose my eyesight and I think I've got the stuff that you could say right. I could go climb and then I would think most people would if they if they lined us up would say you're the guy that couldn't do it and I could do it. But yet you chose to go do that and I would just love to know kind of the mental mindset for that and the physical uh, training to get you ready to go do that. Well, yeah, there's definitely a physical side. I mean, that's just like what everyone knows about, like just training like crazy, uh, putting on a giant pack and humping up mountains until you feel like you're going to throw up. Mm. Uh, so trying to stay on your feet for 10, 12 hours at a time uh, in the mountains, trudging through waist-deep snow, you know, just really training yourself physically. But also then, yes, there's the mental preparation because you're really at the same time training your mind training your, your mind to be able to endure, to suffer. And all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. And climbers uh, uh, learn how much uh, of, a, of a bucket they can create, that they can fill with suffering. Uh, and because uh, there's a lot of bleeding and sweating and grunting along the way. So you kind of um, grow your capacity to suffer uh, and actually not enjoy it, but just sort of uh, weirdly understand that it's part of the equation. And there is kind of a strange appeal to that mental side, that suffering side. Um, and then there's all the systems that I have to create as a blind person, you know, being able to put crampons, the spikes on my boots uh, on and off with my hands and be able to organize my pack and be able to navigate with trekking poles or nice axe, being able to listen to person in front of me who's jingling a bell, like a bear bell, so I can hear uh, the path in front of me, um, how to ice climb, you know, climbing frozen waterfalls, how to how to feel my way up those vertical faces instead of see seeing where to swing. So, you know, there's kind of a half a lifetime of systems that you're creating uh, that are going to get you through those tough situations. So yeah, you, you got it, the physical side, the mental side, and then the system side. Yeah. And so I think the, the point there is talking about those systems. I mean, walk us through, and it doesn't have to be the exact system for climbing the mountain, but just really the, the, whether it's science and, and belief, whatever it may be behind the systems and why it's so important for us to have those, even in the business world, let's think about the person driving down the road right now. Listen to this. It's the, the businessman or woman, and, uh, you know, they're like, ah, I need more systems. I mean, how do you do that? What's the process you go through to find those best ones? Well, it's one going out and flailing and bleeding. You know, there's a little bit of a, I think. Uh, a little baptism by fire almost. <laughs> yeah, but I think in the modern world, I think maybe through TV, through books, there's a little bit of a myth about how you figure these things out that, you know, you can do them in a really um, neat sort of way. You know, there's like a nice arc upward with a nice crescendo at the top uh, and, and with violin music playing. And 
look, I mean, I'm not telling anybody to go out and flail around, but there's some flailing and bleeding in that equation of growth. And so you have to be willing to go out there and try it in a sort of as safe as you can make it, you know? So I always was lucky to have great mentors, friends that would teach me these things, but they're like, I don't know how a blind person is going to kayak the Grand Canyon. I don't know how a blind person is going to climb a frozen waterfall, but let's go out and figure, I don't know how a blind person is going to go solo paraglide, but let's go figure it out together and we'll see how far we can take this thing. And, uh, and so in that process of flailing and bleeding, uh, you do discover things along the way that you then lock into your understanding and expands your awareness and your consciousness. And you say, okay, now I can teach this to another person. Um, and, it, and, and it'll save them a lot of uh, suffering. Uh, but frozen waterfalls are a way like that where, um, you know, people said, okay, if you're climbing a vertical ice face, you have to be able to know where to swing because you have these big, sharp, heavy metal tools. If you swing in the wrong spot, you'll knock a giant size chunk of ice down the size of, say, a refrigerator. It'll come down and crush you. Mm. And that's bad, obviously. So, you, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do that. So I had to learn to swing by tapping my tool. I'll tap my tool and I'll feel those little concave dishes, the little weak spots in the ice where I want to swing. And when I tap my tool on the ice, I actually listen for the sound if it's a good thunk, if it's a good sound, like a thick sound and not like a big hollow vibrating sound. And I actually feel the vibration through the, through my hand. And that, that's how I know whether it's going to be a good swing or not. And so there's no way to discover that without just going out and, 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 and discovering the way forward. And that's sort of cool because there's like often a, a rule book or a handbook and that's, you know, Hey, take the handbook when you can, when you can, when one exists, right? Don't like be full of ego and try to reinvent the handbook if one a really good one exists. But sometimes when the handbook ends, that's when you're trying to develop these new ideas and systems that are going to take you to the next level. And, uh, and that's where it gets pretty adventuresome. Yeah. And I think too, what I'm hearing there is the importance of team, right? And I think about our team and our firm and, and visionary wealth advisors. And I think about just, uh, you know, other people we know, their business friends that I have, and just how important that team is. So walk through why, how that's so important for you in, in doing that, because obviously you can't do this alone. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, I think it was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, who said, like, I'm not a self-made man. And I think I love that. I hang on to that all the time because I think none of us are really self-made people. They're, we're all, that's that's kind of BS, right. you know, I mean, I look to my dad, you know, my dad was my first support system. My mom uh, died, unfortunately, in a car accident when I was right after I went blind. Oh, my goodness. Um, but my dad was amazing. You know, he would he would come to every wrestling match. He would he would support me in every way. You know, he he would push me out there in the world. I'd get broken up and then he would kind of rebuild me and sweep me out into the world again. Um, my wrestling team that gave me confidence. Like they said, I don't know about a blind wrestler, but you know, join the team. We'll, 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 you know, we'll see how far you can take this thing and we'll help you as best we can. Great coaches. Uh, I was incredibly fortunate, you know, and then, you know, with all the mountains that I wanted to climb, I wasn't going to do that alone. It would depend on this great team. And I had to build that team. So I had to find excitement amongst people. Um, 
who wanted to be a part of that, to take me under their wing. Uh, I guess I now divide people into two categories. They're either believers or naysayers. And it's kind of oversimplified, but that's why my view of the world, you get a lot of people who think, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot of the way they move forward is based on fear and uh, anxiety and limitations. And then you have people that base a lot of their lives and their direction on possibilities. And I've been really lucky to surround myself with those kind of people who said, yeah, a blind guy climbing Everest, like that sounds so cool. I want to be a part of that. When maybe nine times out of 10 people would be like, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. So I had an amazing team who helped me get to the summit of Everest, trained with me, supported me for two years as I got ready for this mountain. What I think too is, is uh, what I just love what you said there too, is that the tough, and you didn't say this, but I'm, I'm saying it tough love. I mean, from your, from your dad, right? I mean, he could have easily coddled you and not wanted you to go out there and get broken, especially you just lost your mom. I mean, that, that's a, I mean, gosh, darn, what a tough time. But yeah, he showed you the tough love because that's what's helped you get where you are today. Yeah. Tough love. Um, yeah. Love is the important part. Not like, yeah, not a, like an enabling love, but like a kind of a tough love. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, um, you know, I've had great friends who have, uh, wanted to work with me and, and help me through this process. Um, a few years ago, I kayaked the grand Canyon and that was a six year journey. And I built this amazing team. I had a friend, Rob Raker, who's this amazing guy. Um, he was a really good climbing partner of mine. And then he said, I'll teach you how to kayak. And together we went through the six year process. He's an engineer. So he would sort of try to map out the process for me. Uh, but in the middle of that, he got diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. And uh, he saw the process through with me. You know, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, doesn't have infinite amounts of time left. And you know, he chose to spend his precious time training me and helping me to get ready for this incredible uh, 21 day adventure down the Grand Canyon. So, um, yeah, I mean, the way I look at this is that how incredibly important it is to build what I call our rope team. In the mountains, you're actually roped together with the people around you. So if you fall, you're all going to die. And if you and, and if you summit, you're all going to summit. And so what happens is that when somebody falls on that rope team, everyone else throw themselves down on their ice axe and stop that guy from falling. Uh, uh, and so you're kind of sharing the risk and you're sharing the rewards. And uh, as I founded my organization, No Barriers, uh, we work with about 5,000 people a year, people with challenges, all different kinds of challenges. Uh, we built that concept of rope team into the elements that we teach it's one of the seven elements uh it's a very simple thing but it's a very hard thing to achieve because a lot of people get into dark places uh and they get stuck and they don't have that rope team they're not lucky like me to have that dad or to have that team of climbers and they're stuck you know in this dark place and they don't they just don't have the support system so they don't know how to climb out of whatever that is and towards the thing they want to do and and what they're forgetting is that they got to go they got to start building that team you know really proactively building that team and the only way you can do that is by um by by being vulnerable 
by getting out of that place and going and trying and flailing and bleeding a little bit, getting, getting into that uncomfortable place. And, uh, and, and, and then I do think people will see your effort, your sincere effort. And the fact that you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're letting down your ego and you're, you're willing to be vulnerable in your pursuits and they will take you under their wing. They will want to mentor you. I think people are good by nature and they will want to help you, but you just have to sort of take the first step and not afraid not and, and not be uh, kind of held back by your own prison. Yeah, talk to me about the importance of breathing on that. That may sound like a weird question, but I'm a huge believer in like meditation and just breathing and centering ourselves because, you know, in the business world, I'm running a thousand miles an hour a day and all the stuff going on. And so are our listeners. But just tell us the importance. And maybe it's not, but I would uh, bet a lot of money that it is very, very important to center yourself and get your breathing in check uh, when you're going through all that stuff. Yeah, uh, when I was learning to kayak, you know, there's like proactive breathing techniques where you're breathing in for a long time and then you're exhaling for a long time. You're holding it in and you're exhaling for a long time. You can actually increase your ability to hold your breath for a long time because in a kayak, you actually get knocked over and you're under the water. Uh, And you may be under the water for a minute and you have to be able to relax in that environment. So, yeah, just even the physical part of you know, breathing is incredibly important, you know, hypersaturating your, your lungs and your blood with oxygen. Um, so yeah, I focus on that just in my life, you know, just, just stopping and, you know, taking 10 proactive breaths. Um, it just makes you, it, it can actually change your whole outlook. And so walk us through that. So that those 10 proactive breaths, what's that look like? Is there a time frame on that? Is it a sec? You got to hold them for a certain amount of seconds. What's that look like? Yeah. There, I mean, it's like all different, you know, people have different sure. ideas, but I mean, really like, you know, breathe in for seven, set seven or eight seconds, you know, hold it in for maybe around that same amount of time and then exhale for maybe even longer, like 10 seconds, you know? Uh, and, and, uh, and then you really just hold it in and trap that oxygen. And then you're exhaling, you're letting all that carbon dioxide out of your blood and out of your lungs. Uh, so that's, it's just, uh, it's really healthy for your brain and for your body to, to just really just purely get more oxygen. And then there's also the sort of calming effect of that as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. I just did it while you're talking. It makes me feel better already. <laughs> um, yeah, it really does. Yeah, it can stop headaches too. You learn this at a high, in high altitude because your body's not getting enough oxygen. So they actually call it, uh, uh, they, they actually call it uh, pressure breathing. Okay, I like it. Um, all right, so this, this we're going to talk about, we got a lot of things to talk about. We got your book, uh, No Barriers, we're going to talk about. We want to talk about No Barriers USA. Um, but I think I, I read, uh, I think it was in your book where I read, you know, somebody said you don't make Everest the greatest thing you ever do. So I think that was, I mean, that just gave me chills right when I read that. And, and so walk me through that. You get the pat on the back, you just summit Mount Everest, you're coming down. And that guy, your trainer says that talk to us how that maybe was a defining moment in your life. Yeah, it was such a defining moment. That's the way I started. No barriers, the book, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I had this amazing team climbing Everest and you, you reach this island in the sky, you know, at 29,000 feet, it's the size of a single car garage in space. And you're just, you, you, you can't even believe it. You know, it's just like, I mean, it's like you're, 
your mind hasn't really even caught up to your body, right? You just, it's so, it seems so unfathomable. And then you come down the mountain. I was coming down through the ice fall, all these really hard sections of the mountain. And I got down below that stuff and I'm now I'm at base camp and I'm safe and I'm so happy to be alive. I've just accomplished this, this massive thing. I'm wasted. I'm so crushed physically. And then PV, our team leader, he pulls me aside. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, ask me to like sign his baseball cap or something. <laughs> and instead he says, Hey, hey Eric, he said, uh, he said, your life's about to change. It's going to get crazy. He said, but do me a favor. He said, don't make Everest the greatest thing you ever do. Hmm. And I was thinking, you know, PV, that's like the possibly the worst time <laughs> advice I've ever heard in my life. Like, let me go home and relax for the next 50 years and, and just, you know, drink lattes and enjoy the comforts of life and say, you know, hey, like a long time ago, I did something really cool. And but what PV was saying was that, you know, things get you stuck in your life. I've thought so much about this. You know, um, some adversities can get you stuck. You know, um, sometimes our mind can get us stuck. But also, in a weird way, success can get you stuck, right? If, if you have the wrong outlook towards success or whatever success looks like. So, for me, um, Everest could have been, I guess, that, you know, moment where I pound my chest and I say, okay, I've done it. I've been there. I never have to really do anything after this like i'm that blind guy who climbed everest yeah. and pv was saying no you hang your pictures up and you you put your trophies up and that and that room becomes your museum it becomes in, in the worst case your mausoleum and uh and and he said you know but but at the time it was really hard to understand what he was saying because it's hard to see in the future and I was like, look, I mean, I've just stood on top of the world. What's next? Like, what are you saying, PV? What what could come after Everest? Uh, and uh, so so I think No Barriers was uh, my response to PV's challenge. So all the words you could pick, why No Barriers? Mm, I think No Barriers is a battle cry, but it also goes beyond a motivational poster. It's sort of how we move forward in our lives. It's sort of the map that we try to build. And it's a messy map, I think, but it is a map that we're trying to build and navigate in our lives. And what does that map look like? Um, in a way, I guess maybe I could have called my organization and the book, you know, full of barriers, because I do think that's what unites us. You know, the barriers that we face, the ways that we feel like we're getting uh, held back, you know, in a way, you know, our barriers, uh, they sort of unite us. And uh, so, so yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, there's a bit of tongue in cheek with no barriers because life is definitely full of barriers. Um, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's this idea of how we break through those barriers. Um, and, and what does that process of growth look like? I felt like nobody in my mind had adequately illuminated that sort of dark process, that murky process, uh, where you go from, you know, a spot where you're sort of stuck or even crushed uh, or just not feeling like you're where you need to be uh, to whatever that best version of yourself looks like. Um, and, 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 
all that navigation, all that terrain in between um, was what I wanted to sort of really uh, flesh out for, for people so they understood, um, you know, the realities and the myths of growth. Well, I could have used you last night for my halftime talk for coaching basketball because I think uh, my the fourth and fifth grade team I coached, it felt like we were playing the NBA team because they were all about my height and I'm six foot tall. And I'm like, I, I need something here. I needed no barriers at that moment because, you know, you think about that, and I say that jokingly, but it's true, is we and, – and you said it, right? We all have our own excuses. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not tall enough or I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I'm, whatever it may be, we all have it. And I think that no barriers is what you're saying is to break free – and, and, and unleash the shackles that we have of the stuff that holds us back, right? Well said. I'm going to steal what you just said because that's really well described. And I think, um, you know, the world does like, you know, boxes, you know. The, and so sometimes it's easier to stick people in boxes and it's easier to stick ourselves in boxes and prisons. You know, it's easier to, you know, climb, you know, to start out with hope and optimism and then, you know, what what stops us on that journey? Well, you know, we reach a certain plateau uh, and we say, okay, this is safe to go any higher. It's going to take too much pain and suffering. Or maybe we, we try something and we get hurt, you know, or like, or, or we fall a little bit short. And that is so painful. We say, like, I'm never going to experience that kind of pain again. And I'm not going to put myself out there again. Or maybe we get cynical, you know, where we just start blaming the world, which is something I find myself I've done in the past, you know, like I start reacting and responding and and, and blaming and attacking. And, and then I realize, okay, that's just getting me further and further away from the light that I want to grow and nurture inside of myself. Um, or maybe we just get exhausted, right? We just get beat down to the point where we're demoralized. But all these things, right? And so what you're talking about maybe is something like kids haven't learned to understand that process and build that sense of resiliency inside them where they understand what it takes uh, to, 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 you know, not be Michael Jordan or LeBron James, but actually, you know, become the best version that they can be um, without, as you said, the shackles of that prison around them those prison bars. So let's talk about those challenges that we all face every single day. I mean, what have you found? Cause you've been around, you know, some of the most talented people in the world uh, and what they do. And so what do you find are the things daily that people are doing? Because I personally, I believe it's daily. It's not like, Oh, I'm gonna do that on Monday and I'll do it again on Thursday and maybe on Saturday and Sunday, I'll try it. But it's every single day you got to commit to stuff. So what are you finding the best people are doing to get rid of challenges in their life, but to become the best version of themselves? Well, I think part of it is one of the elements of no barriers that we call alchemy. Um, alchemy is this process that you see time and time again in almost, well, I will say every quote-unquote successful person. Um, I just read Tommy Caldwell's book. He uh, climbed the Don Wall on El Capitan. It was like the hardest face that had ever been climbed. And he tried for you know, seven years to try to climb this rock face. Um, and as you read his book, you realize that these tough things that happened to him in his life, they actually became the thing that gave him the strength to succeed on this wall. And so alchemy is this, I think, ability to take bad things, to take all the things that life throws at you, and then 
figure out how to turn them into gold, how to sort of figure out the energy behind those things and use that energy to propel yourself forward to places that you honestly would have never gone to in any other way. And I, I really have grown to sort of hate this idea of, uh, you know, turn lemons into lemonade. It's, it's, that is so cliche. This idea of alchemy goes way beyond that because if you're climbing higher in your life, you are going to have challenges. You're going to get crushed. You're going to get knocked down on your butt. Uh, you know, and, and, and the higher you climb, the harder it becomes. So you have to be able to take all that hardship and release it somehow, kind of use it as a, as a catalyst to drive you forward instead of stopping you in your tracks. And I've tried to do that in my life. And I'm, I know that uh, the people in my life who have performed really amazing things in their lives and all turn that lead into gold. Uh, along the way. So talk to us about that. So the guy that you just mentioned, he read his book and he, he climbed it the seventh time. And, and look at it from the lens of, again, the business sense. What do you think uh, stopped him the first six times? I mean, obviously you know the answer, but I mean, like, can I, what stops people from achieving uh, in that moment? Well, one, it was an incredibly hard thing to do. Yep. This was no yep. joke. I mean, this was the hardest face in the world. So one is that the difficulty sometimes stops people, right? The, they, they don't understand what it takes, the full engagement that it takes to do that thing that maybe has never been done before or never done been done in quite the yeah, same I'm gonna, way. I'm going to so, interrupt you real quick. So I think we could break this down because I think that right there. So one, people get into something, whether it's climbing one of the hardest mountains in the world, but most of the people listening to this aren't, you know, they're not planning they're climbing a mountain, right? So they're climbing their quote unquote mountain in their business world is would you say lack of preparation for what the task is going to uh, is going to take yeah and also just they haven't quite wrapped their head around how challenging it's going to be there's a reason why you know that maybe this thing that they want to do this business pursuit maybe hasn't been done or maybe they haven't been able to crack the code because it's hard so just understanding that this will be hard uh I, I think, and people have to realize, okay, this is going to take full engagement. This is going to take, you know, f full challenge and, and a lot of time and energy and a lot of failure along the way, like wrapping their head around what that equation looks like, I think is part of, um, of the barrier. I like it. And then, so when you think about the fears, cause obviously there's fears that go with that, uh, that all this stuff, um, when you think about you, you know, I want to talk about this kayaking around the Grand Canyon in a little bit, but talk to us about fear that you've put into your mind uh, over your life doing these things. And how many of those fears actually came true to the magnitude you thought they would be? My fear was, you know, when I stood on the side of the river for the first time, listening to those rapids below me and starting this process of learning how to kayak after I climbed Mount Everest, I thought, okay, well, you know, isn't ever supposed to prepare me in some way like aren't I supposed to be the studly blind guy who climbed Everest why am I so terrified right now and so yeah that's another thing that I think is important to express to people that you know I, I mean maybe you can corroborate this or maybe not but I mean like so you've had some tremendous success building your organization but when you start something new it, you know, the thing you did in the past does not immune you 
does not make you immune to the thing you want to do in the right. future. It's not. It's like, a great way to say it. It's not. So uh, you know, I was I was just terrified, uh, and I thought, and, and I had to wrestle with my own fear, um, and. You know, one, obviously, there's the fear in the kayaking world of getting hurt, right, of drowning or something like that. And obviously, that was an important piece when you're, you know, start, you, you know, in the business world or in your family. It's not a fear of dying, maybe. But I think what does hold us back and what held me back, I learned eventually, wasn't the fear of dying. It was the fear that... I was going to let down myself that like, what if I wasn't the guy that I wanted to be or that I want, you know, the way I wanted to define myself. If I let myself down, if I let my team down, it would challenge the perception that I had of, of all the things I wanted to be of the way I wanted to define myself. And so I realized that the weight of all that was getting in the way of actually the pursuit itself. And so I had to sort of let down all that, all that, ego really uh and 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 sort of experience the 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 process in a pure way uh and just kind of dealing with the fear and just sort of understanding that that's part of it and then no one is immune and is any of the the stuff you put in your mind has any of them come true to the magnitude you thought they would all of our listeners know and i do this on purpose every time it kind of every guest always is like does the same it kind of like they don't know what to say because it's yeah. true, right? None, none of the fears I've put in my own mind and business, and I still do it, right? Even though I've had all these guests tell me not to do it because none of them have come true, hardly. But the point being is it just kind of baffles us, right? That none of the fears we put in our mind ever come true to the magnitude. So what is truly holding us back? Yeah, I mean, in my life, you know, like let's just take kayaking. Yeah, I mean, they're really hard days that I got off the river after like smashing into rocks and I've, right. you know, I've smashed my face into rocks and I'm bleeding, but all that's recoverable, you know, but yeah, what they do is they sort of demoralize your brain sometimes. So there are days that you are completely crushed and demoralized, but no, I would say the fears in my head never were realized. No. And, and, uh, um, but the, but the possibilities, uh, were realized, which is, you know, a very fortunate thing, um, you know, that doesn't always happen, but it, for me, it, it did. So I, we could, I know we could spend another hour talking about, you know, climbing Mount Everest and, and how unbelievably awesome that is. And then now we could spend hours talking about kayaking the Grand Canyon. And so I got to ask, which yeah. one's tougher? If they said, Hey man, you got to go do this again right now, which one are you going to go do? Uh, kayaking was harder for me because it was so fast and furious and you can't see the rapids. And you're so, kind of by yourself you know, out there, right? I mean, you're, you don't, I mean, yes, you have yeah, your team, but boat. you're in your own boat. Yeah. I have a guy behind me who was uh, yelling out directions via these high tech radios. So, you know, not only does he have to be able to navigate his own boat through these massive 20, 30 foot rapids, but he's actually, you know, <laughs> um, navigating this little remote right. control blind does guy he, does he have, uh, down does he have backups well. what if that dude goes down is there another another guy waiting you got it exactly we have another guy who we call our hail mary who's the very last guy who can come in and sweep in and start yelling uh and then we have a couple people in the uh eddies below the rapids that are there to pick up the pieces in case so uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's like anything we're talking about today. It's like a full team effort. Yeah. So if anybody's ever been whitewater rafting, it, it is, uh, just doing it 
you know, with my eyesight was scary and, and tough. I can't imagine doing what you did there. So, so that, that's awesome, man. And, um, let, let's just talk about, you know, despite the hardships, the loss, the traumas, I mean, all the things that people experience today. I mean, what do you find are the characteristics that help people defy traditional thinking? Well, I call it, in, in the book, I call it uh, the open heart policy. Um, you know, so I have the privilege of working with people with challenges. Some of them are injured vets, you know, veterans who have gone off and been hurt. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we had this guy named Matt Burgess who took part in one of our Warriors programs. Uh, he had gone off uh, and served a couple tours uh, in different places around the world. And he uh, had a couple traumatic brain injuries uh, and and then he had a reaction to anthrax, you know, the vaccination. Wow. And then he had uh, some reaction to some uh, plutonium that, uh, or uranium, excuse me, that, that, that uh, he had been exposed to. So he had all kinds of problems. And when he came into our program, he was really sort of broken and he had been in this dark place uh, and he almost quit, you know, because he just kept questioning himself and we were going to go off and climb a mountain and work on this no barriers process that we've been talking about this morning. <clears throat> and one of the cool things, the coolest thing is that he kept an open heart. You know, he just forced his heart to be open, even though, you know, he had a lot of reasons why he could have said, Hey, the world's a bad place. I'm, cr I'm crawling under a rock and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not playing anymore. And, and he just kept pushing forward. The team really rallied around him because Matt was in the situation that I talked about where he didn't have a good rope team. Now he did. So he had people cheering him on and supporting him and elevating him. And he went through this process. We reached the summit of the mountain together. Um, we have people pledge after the program what they want to do with this experience. He um, wanted to start an organization to train service dogs for other vets which he now does, uh, Freedom Fido's. He's just built a beautiful facility in South Carolina. He writes me all the time and says, hey man, I just feel so unqualified, so unprepared for this, uh, for doing what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it despite that. And it's because he, he, he sort of let go of all that, all that garbage, all that uh, you know, weight of the past, and he just moves forward in this open-hearted way uh, and, and he's attracted all kinds of donors and, you know, he's worked with hundreds of people, um, and training dogs for them, you know, vets who might've committed suicide, who, uh, wanted to get off drugs, uh, who wanted to lose weight. And, you know, he's impacted hundreds of people in that way. So I think the most important part is this open heart policy. And I, when I look at guys like Matt, I reflect on my life. Like when I went blind, you know, I shut down for a while, but I also know that I sort of forced myself to keep an open heart because I didn't want it. I didn't want the journey to be over. You know, I didn't want, I didn't want to sit in that prison. That was really a, you know, a terrible place to be. Yeah. So the, let's talk about for a second. I just, I just got back from a golf trip with a bunch of guys uh, down in Florida and uh, you know, they always talk about slowing down to speed up, but I think, uh, you know, we, we were all joking about different things on the podcast and stuff, but, you know, we talked about, and they're going to love this, winners win, right? 
I think it was the great philosopher Jimmy Deck. Jimmy Jimmy was one of the guys on the golf trip with us, but talked about winners win. And right when you slow down and you truly think about that winners win, I mean winners are going to do whatever it takes to be successful, right? So you think of you know you kayaking the Grand Canyon, climbing the mountains, all the stuff you're doing around the world, all the people you're helping. The next thing we want our listeners to think about is just just winners win. Don't give up, right? Keep fighting and keep battling through. I think that's the important part. And, and so I would, you know, kind of what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's right. You know, I was just really thinking about it as you were talking about it. Yeah. I mean, there are people who sort of are, are equipped to just keep pursuing things and, 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 and that gives them a huge competitive advantage. Um, but I also think that there are people because of circumstance and yeah, I do think we create our own circumstance most of the time. But I mean, like, for instance, this guy, Matt, you know, yeah, sure. He had created some of his own hardship in his life. He, you know, sometimes people self-sabotage, you know, like they, they get so scared of what success might look like that they start blowing things up inside and sabotaging. So yeah, Matt could have, he he'd, he'd done some of that. But also, I, I do think that, um, Sometimes this process is tenuous. When I went through this journey to kayak the Grand Canyon, six years, there were times where I would be sitting on the side of the river thinking, I cannot get in my kayak again. Like, I don't know how I can get back in my kayak. I'm so overwhelmed right now. In any of those moments along the way, I think I could have quit. You know, I would, I could have, I, I, I would have regretted it and I would have turned probably bitter, you know what I mean? More bitter because I just, you know, I, I would have gone out and tried this thing and, and failed and that would have affected me in so many different ways, but it could have happened. So I think it's a little bit back to this thing. Like none of us are self-made people. Uh, you know, just because we've had success in the past, uh, you know, doesn't make us winners forever. And I think we need to be careful about that as we move forward with the pursuits that we have. All right. So now I'm the, I'm the guy or the gal driving in the road. I've got my, I got my thoughts. I've got my perspective. I've got my process. I've, I've really looked at, man, this is how hard it's going to be, but I need to find my inner purpose. What are you doing to help people around the world find their inner purpose? Well, we talk about, you know, in our no barriers programs, we talk uh, with our, with our participants about this, this, this element that we call vision. When I, when I look at the word vision, I don't use it in terms of like seeing the future. That's one perfectly fine way of using the word vision. Uh, you know, like really smart people, they have a vision of the future of the way that they want, you know, their business to be. That's fine. But when I, and, and it, at No Barriers, when we use the word vision, what we're talking about is more of an internal vision. And so what, what I believe and, and not that we're any kind of um, uh, religious or faith-based organization. We're a secular organization, but we, but we do talk about this light inside people. You can call it a soul. You can call it the human spirit. But there is something real inside people. And I think it's worth growing and, and nurturing. And it's sort of diving down and understanding yourself. You know, when I started kayaking, one of the analogies, one of the metaphors I brought to the table of no barriers was this idea that you are riding the energy at the surface of the river, but that energy is created 
from the depths, from those obstacles and all the things that are happening 20, 30 feet below the surface. That's the way our brains are. That's the way our sort of spirits are. We have to dive down and understand what is our vision, what's our values, like what what makes that light burn brighter. Um, there, there are decisions that we make that either take us away from that light and make the light dwindle or and there are decisions that we that we make based on you know our our real deep down values that make that light burn brighter and if you can uh, teach people to get in touch with what those values in action are uh, then that light will will blaze into the world and it will it will light their way so we all hear, you know, it's, we, you know, any event that happens and it's a negative event, let's talk about, and it's our response to this event, right? That makes it turn out to be better. So how do you, with all the disappointments you've maybe had to deal with across your journeys, um, how have you dealt with that disappointment to turn that disappointment into learning and into a positive? Well, one of my heroes that I wrote about in the book is Terry Fox. I mean, when I think about what you're asking, I think about him. He's a amazing example of this he he got diagnosed with cancer he lost a leg to cancer he's in the hospital he's watching kids die of cancer um okay so he doesn't know how long he has left and uh so what's the decision that you make there i mean do you do, you know it's it, it would make total sense that you would shrink that you would sort of curl up in a ball and you know psychologically and protect yourself and protect a little bit that you have left uh, and no, Terry didn't do that. They fit him with this clunky prosthetic leg and he decides that he's going to go out and run across Canada. He's going to do something big. He's going to live bigger than, uh, you know, he's going to, then he's going to die. He's going to take this darkness and he's going to turn it into a kind of vision and into some energy that he's going to use to propel himself forward. And he does this and he kind of activates the entire nation of Canada. He raises... Uh, I think it was a dollar per every Canadian citizen. Uh, he, he wound up actually succumbing to cancer as a young guy. But since then, his uh, his name has raised, I think, almost a billion dollars uh, for cancer research through these Terry Fox runs that happen around the world. And I think that's the perfect example of what we're talking about. Right. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, between the things that happen to you and the ways that you're supposed to re respond, right? There's a kind of space and in that space, you can make decisions. It's, they're really, really hard decisions, but it's possible to, to make the decisions that are, that sort of go deeper than reaction. They're more counterintuitive. They're really tapping into that deep down light that I just talked about and are going to make us do things that, um, that bring us closer to, to, to that vision. So walk me through. So you're obviously a very busy man. You've got your family and the things, you know, all the stuff that you want to do in your world. How do you, how do you slow down and, and help our listeners, how you slow down to enjoy the journey and be in the moment? Oh, I mean, I don't know if I have any perfect advice for people, but I mean, like I, I, I enjoy the moment of, you know, going into the field with our no barriers participants and being with people. I'm not like a real people person. So like it, it forces me to be without phones, without computers and just being in the field on the mountain and the river with, 
with folks and connecting with those people. Um, and uh, uh, I'm running a trip uh, uh, in a couple weeks uh, to this beautiful island in the Sea of Cortez with a couple folks in wheelchairs, some blind people, some people with traumatic brain injuries, some people with some uh, mobility issues. And um, we're just going to be out on this island kayaking and camping out. Uh, so I, I do this with my family, too. Whenever I can get away, we'll just take family trips and we'll just be together. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and nature is a really preferable thing. You know, you're you're all just sort of discovering things together as a family. Uh, so, so yeah, I feel pretty in the moment when I'm doing that kind of stuff. I like it. So let's talk about uh, last couple of questions here, but you know, how do you, how, what advice would you have people to get out of their comfort zone? So I really talk about, you know, I, I draw a circle for people and then I put a dot in the middle of that circle and that's our comfort zone. And we're constantly trying to go out to the outer edge, but then it's like, Oh, this gets tough. And then they just go right back to that little dot in the middle of their circle. Right. Yeah. That's your comfort zone. How do you get out of your comfort zone? Well, my second book, I wrote uh, this book called The Aversity Advantage, and I teamed up with the scientist, Dr. Paul Stoltz, and uh, he was really insightful in a lot of this, you know, talking about uh, how do we continue, we just like simplified the, the, the different labels, but we called it quitters, campers, and climbers. You know, quitters just never try, you know, they, or they try just a little bit and they fail and they they stop trying. We're not talking about those. We're talking about campers, people who sort of get stuck somewhere along that that continuum. Uh, and then cl climbers being people that continue to grow and evolve and challenge themselves every day of their lives. So I think partly uh, one step to being a climber is to identify what those barriers really are for you. You know, what are those barriers that are holding you back? get really brutal with yourself, you know, no rose colored glasses here, really try to accurately pinpoint what the real barrier is. Uh, and a lot of times you are right, it will come down to fear, it'll come down to just straight up terror. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's good, because then you kind of, once you understand what that barrier is, you can release it, you can use it as energy to propel you forward in that alchemist kind of way that we had talked about beautiful so what's the next uh you know life's about experiences so what's the next thing on your bucket list what are you doing well i'm continuing to climb uh i have adventures that i do you know just ongoing uh uh in in the early spring i'm gonna head to moab and uh bike on my tandem mountain bike this 105 mile trail called the white rim trail and along the way climb these beautiful incredibly difficult desert towers there's six of them that we're going to climb along the way so we'll bike and climb so that's a big physical adventure so i have those kind of things all mapped out um but um i also want to grow no barriers because i feel like uh america in particular right now we're pretty divided and i think uh we're sort of experiencing maybe a little bit of a collective ptsd yep. uh where we're kind of looking outward into the world and a lot of fear, a lot of blame, a lot of attacking, uh, and, and no barriers is the opposite. The no, no barriers is saying like, look inside yourself and try to build that thing, uh, and try to navigate your lives and try to come together with your rope team 
and let's get stronger together. And so I think it's a message that we need right now uh, as a country. So, you know, we're doing everything we can to build this movement. Like we're going to come out to New York City uh, in October and have a really big event. We'll probably have several thousand people. And we celebrate this idea of no barriers with speakers and scientists and engineers and inventors and athletes and uh, amazing clinics that we do. We'll have uh, uh, a concert in Central Park. We want to get this idea in people's faces so that they start, uh, one, thinking about it consciously and then beginning to live it. Mm. Man, my friend Eric, you are an inspiring man, and uh, I really appreciate you being on uh, our show today. Where can our listeners find more of uh, of Eric Weinmayer? Well, my website's full of really fun videos and great journeys for uh, adults as well as kids. It's uh, touchthetop.com, uh, touchthetop.com. And then uh, that, and they can learn more about my books and films and so forth as well there. Uh, and then obviously going to Amazon um, is, uh, it, you know, is the sort of standard procedure. But, um, but, but so, yeah, I, I encourage people to um, write us, um, give me your feedback on the book, um, and, and, uh, and, and also, you know, sign up for No Barriers. Uh, when I talk about challenges – uh, I'm not just talking about people who are blind like me. I'm talking about all of us in a way. Uh, we work with kids in the foster care system. We work with first-generation uh, Americans. Uh, we even are beginning to work with uh, kids, uh, DACA kids, dreamers. Uh, so challenge comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, it's not just physical. Uh, most of us, are, our barriers are invisible. And No Barriers is about those invisible barriers as much as the physical pieces. So definitely learn about our work and uh, and figure out how to get involved. All right, well, we'll put all this in the show notes. Uh, so on iTunes and all the other great spots, you guys can uh, check out the, the notes. But check out his book, No Barriers. It's phenomenal. Get it on Amazon, all those great places. Um, but Eric, again, it's been great having you on the show. Cool, thank you very much. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.